Welcome to The Reload, where we help unconventional leaders craft the life they truly want by questioning the assumptions they have about how life works. My name is Sean, and I'll be your host on this journey. As a performance coach and special operations combat veteran, I help high-performing executives kick ass in their careers while connecting with deeply powerful insights that fuel their lives. All right. Well, I figured today we would go ahead and just jump right on in there, partly because I'm going to try my best to make this a short one, but an actionable one. Now, in the past, I have been absolutely terrible about guessing the length of my shows in advance, but uh, good intentions. We will try to make this a short one. So today's episode was inspired, like so many of my episodes, by a real-life conversation with one of my coaching clients. And as with most of my coaching clients, this individual is a senior executive at a big company. And typically, with most of my clients, they struggle with trying to balance really, truly dedicating themselves to their careers, but also trying to figure out how to have a life. And part of what goes into that struggle is some of the judgments and insecurities that they carry and how those judgments and insecurities end up really shaping their existence, shaping what they think is possible or not. Now, to set the stage for today, ultimately what I want to get to is this idea of a mirroring exercise or a mirror exercise for one's judgments and insecurities. One of my many functions, I guess, as a coach is to try to help clients see themselves thus the term mirror, but to see themselves more objectively. Now, I'm not saying purely objectively or 100% objectively, because I don't know if that's actually possible. As neutral as I try to be, I'm going to, as the coach, or if I were a therapist, the same thing would apply, or really any sort of helper, they're going to come with their own preconceived notions, their own implicit biases, and I'm no exception. But trying to bring in outside perspective is part of this mirroring process. But ultimately, if you're not working with a coach, then I think that in many cases, you can get pretty far down the road doing things yourself. And that is a big part of the goal that I have for my clients is to actually teach them things so that they can do a lot of self-coaching. Is it going to be the same? As I've said before in other episodes, no, it's not. But again, you can get pretty far down the road. So I was having this conversation with this client, and he was talking about where he had gone through an experience at his company, having been tasked with delivering a, a really big project you know, an an initiative that was going to affect the way that things were run at the company. And it was going to also involve another team, another department. So there was this element of 
collaboration that was sort of baked into this this project or this initiative. And the conversation that we were getting into was this idea of trust and you know where it is that one's passions, passion for doing a good job, passion for defending one's team, passion for defending one's reputation, that all of these things can very frequently end up becoming a little extreme, I guess. And and in that sense that they can lead us to a place where our passion sort of spills over the banks of the, the notional river here and it becomes too much for other people. And it was really that concept of exploring where passion for one's job and passion for maintaining one's reputation and protecting one's team becomes too much for other people and can potentially become counter-effective or counterproductive that we started to get into this idea of, well, what was causing that ramp up? What was causing him to get to a place where he was no longer productive? And a big part of it, he realized, was this sense of judgment. And that a lot of it was coming from how the project was initially teed up. So there was this deadline that was quite fixed. This particular organization has a very cyclical business. And there are certain things that kick off every year at the same time. Obviously, that sounds like many organizations, which is the point. So there is this this deadline, which even though it made sense in a number of ways, was still a subjective choice on behalf of the CEO of the company. Now, granted, it had logic behind it, but it's not as though there was some totally unalterable deadline or, or reason that they could not have pushed the, the launch date if they needed to. But that wasn't the perception. The perception going in was, okay, hey, we need to have this thing done by this date. And guess what? It's going to require a lot of new technology. It's going to require a lot of collaboration. It's going to require a lot of change, things that we haven't done before. And it's also going to end up being something very new for the customer. So right there, we've already set the stage for a lot of different moving parts and pieces. And then also a lot of change. And change tends to be quite scary, even when we think it's going to be to our long-term benefit. And that's why so often, here is a quick aside, when we look at change, whether it's in an organization or it's for an individual, we have to try to make sure that people understand how and why the juice is going to be worth the squeeze. The squeeze is the effort of making change and going through that change process that is going to be uncomfortable. And the juice is the payoff. Why is it better for us to go through this hardship of change? And how is it going to leave us in a better place? Where is it actually going to leave us? in relationship to where we are currently. 
So that kind of sets the stage. And over the course of this initiative or this project, one of the things that was pointed out by my client is that there was a strong element that was not in his team's core competence. And that that was really the reason for the collaboration with the other team. But over time, there was a greater and greater sense that the other team was just sort of taking things over. Even though my client was the one that was ultimately accountable for delivering the initiative. And so there's this perception on his part that the territory is slipping away and that he doesn't understand how things are going. Again, because a big part of the project was outside of his and his team's core competence. So we ended up in this discussion around judgment. And what were some of the judgments about this other executive that was leading the other department? And what we ended up uncovering is certain narratives. And those narratives were that the other executive and the other team were not being team players because they weren't being cooperative, that they didn't trust my client's team or my client even, that the other team wasn't communicating with my client and his team. And there was a lot of pent up emotion around that, a sense of unfairness or inequity, especially because ultimately as the deadline continued to get closer and closer and there were differences of opinion or assessment in terms of how close they were to actually delivering the goods, then the CEO got involved and there was you know, some internal pressure happening, right? interpersonal pressure, and then also some added layering of confusion around, okay, well, so-and-so on, on the other team is telling me this, that you know, we're this far along and then you're saying no and you know, who's right and who's telling me the truth here. And then you know, there's that added element of, of stress that came with the fact that not everybody's singing the same song. But this, these judgments, these judgments around the fact that my client perceived that the other team was not communicating, that the other team, the other team, excuse me, lacked trust, and that the other team wasn't being cooperative. Now, luckily, this client of mine is really digging into the process, really, truly taking it seriously and really doing his absolute best to try to understand where he might be off course or where he may not be seeing his own behavior. Going back to that whole mirror thing. And one of the things that came out in the discussion that I thought was so excellent, so wonderful when people actually are capable of getting to this level of awareness of seeing, looking in their memory and seeing their own behavior. And he began to recognize that there were ways in which he also was exhibiting a sense of lacking trust, where he was also not cooperative, where he started to dig his heels in because 
of some of the insecurities that he was feeling in this process. So, you know, slowly, link by link, we're getting to see how this chain is being formed. And one of the things that came out, well, not one, but several things that came out in regards to insecurity. One is the project won't succeed. Two, I'm going to look like a failure or my team will look like a failure. I feel stupid was the third one. Four, I feel isolated and attacked. I feel overwhelmed with the scope of the project and the looming deadline. And last but not least, that it was a big change. That he wasn't sure how to get the team or the company where the goal line was. And so here again, we ended up having a discussion to say, okay, well, just pause for a moment. Feel whatever you're feeling, you know, because whenever we start to relive things that were difficult for us, chances are there's some sort of emotional attachment that's still there. And we want to take note of that. Why? (laughs) Because if there's still some sort of emotional charge to what we're remembering, then chances are we haven't finished processing the experience, nor have we integrated what lessons could have come out of that experience. Generally, when we have fully finished processing something, we get to a place where we can feel equanimity, even about very difficult things. Even the death of a loved one, we can reach a place of peace and closure with it. But if we haven't done the work to really understand the dynamics that were happening, then we typically still carry that charge with us. And we probably all have somebody in our life or somebody that we had in our life at some point that was sort of riddled with really old resentment about some issue that happened years or potentially decades ago. And why is that thing still bothering them? Right? So that's just a way to put it in a context. But for this conversation here today, this idea of taking stock of the emotion that you're feeling or emotions. Now you'd probably don't want to have the whole buffet, but you know, take note of the top two or top three emotions. And write that off to the side, right? If you have like a little piece of scratch paper in front of you, write it off to the side. What you were feeling as you remember that potentially stressful situation. And later on, you can ask yourself, huh, yeah, why was, why are those emotions still there? What am I still holding on to? What have I not looked at yet that's causing me to grip those emotions? But as far as the mirror exercise is concerned, or mirroring exercise, whichever you prefer, the idea here is to write down your judgments about the person who is attracting your frustration, anger, impatience, whatever. Then ask yourself, if you were the other person, is there any way that that other person might level those same judgments at you? In some cases, you may actually be doing the same thing they're doing in the exact same way. 
or like my client, you're still getting to the same effect, but through different means. There's a way that we can be non-communicative. There's any number of ways of being non-communicative. Just because your way doesn't look the way that the other person's does, doesn't mean that you're both still not being non-communicative. So what we're looking for, even though the, the methods may vary, we're looking for the impact to be the same when we factor in the other person's perspective. So frequently, we like to think of ourselves as these amazing angels <laughs> who are just running around doing our best and that it's the other person's fault or it's the other person's responsibility. And so it is so imperative for us to be able to look at ourselves and say, hmm, if I was standing in the other person's shoes, would I be saying the same thing about my behavior, my conduct? And if your first reply is, well, yeah, but if there's anything with yeah, but, <laughs> you might want to take a time out and really think through this. Because quite frequently it says something to the effect of, yeah, but the other person started it. Somehow. And is that true? Is that really true? Because oftentimes if we go to the other person, they say you started it. And so frequently who started it and who is to blame or who is responsible. And if you're, you know, really trying to <laughs> think through this is very much a matter of perspective. So once you've done that, write down your insecurities in relation to whatever is causing you to judge the other person, whatever the issue is, or if it's an ongoing thing that's been happening for months or years, because this is something that you can do not just for your colleagues, but also for your family or your friends. But write down your insecurities in relationship to whatever the issue is. Then ask yourself if the other person might possibly be feeling any of the same insecurities. And when we looked at the insecurities that my client was feeling, turns out the other executive was feeling the exact same insecurities. Well, maybe not all of them, but there was a lot of overlap. There was a lot of overlap. And so now you have two team leaders, two executives, department heads, who are both feeling a tremendous amount of stress. But they're not talking to each other. And this is a critical breakdown, right? Because ultimately, when we do this mirroring exercise, part of it is gaining the awareness of thinking, oh, yeah, what is the other person feeling? But then ultimately we want to try to get you to a place where you might have a conversation with the other party about the insecurities and whether there are any similarities happening between you and them. But so often in the work that I do, what I come to learn from my client's uh, own admission is that we human beings so often isolate. We go internal 
either inside our own selves or we stay inside the confines of our own team, you know, our side. Instead of openly communicating, and this leaves us in a place of assuming another's intention and another's motives. And that's not a well-informed position. And ultimately, what ends up happening is you're attempting to read another person's reaction and follow-on action and then reaction again to whatever it is you know your response was. Instead of being able to have just a, an open conversation saying, hey, I feel like, I feel like we're sort of the, the communication is breaking down or I feel like trust is breaking down or I feel like I'm just so overwhelmed because it seems like things are going really, really fast and we don't know what you're talking about. And we don't know how to present this to our customer at the end of the day. And it doesn't look like this thing is coming together. And I don't want this to just fall flat because clearly this is a big priority for, for, for us. So how do, we, how do we mend this? But instead of having those conversations, we just kind of clam up and we draw inside. And then typically when we're making inferences about another person and their motives and their intentions and what their future actions are going to be. Well, we very frequently don't put them in the best light. And then we start to, within the, within the confines of our own mind, label them some sort of villain, right? And I don't mean that literally, but what are the little cut downs and put downs that we have for the people around us? They're not working as hard as we are. They're not as smart as we are. They're trying to set us back. They're trying to make us look bad, et cetera, et cetera. And I've, on more than one occasion, have coached several people on the same team individually. And I can tell you, at least from those experiences, that generally people are not going to bed or waking up in the morning or at any point in their day thinking, oh, how can I... How can I really shaft my colleague? How can I really truly make them look bad? Especially when nine times out of 10, they're not even in the same career track. So anyway, I wanted to offer that exercise in case it's helpful for you, in case it does help bring some perspective. And if you like it, give it a shot. Recommend it to other people. Heck, you can recommend this show to other people. I will not stop you at all. In fact, I would I would love it. I would absolutely love it. If you think it's fair to just, you know, hit that like button, follow, subscribe, but really share with the people that you know, people that you think would benefit. Or don't. It's totally up to you. Until next time, take care of each other.